0: This is The Straight Dope, episode 18, The Pyramid. The first thing I want to do this episode is give props to some people for raising really interesting questions and pointing out that we need to be thinking and questioning even the classic fundamentals, but also the reasons why we do stuff and how we go about measuring how they work Andy Reinhardt made a post that I'm going to talk with Frank Galley on the Sniper's Hide TV about cheek riser height. I think that's a pretty legit conversation. Kayla and Phil over at Modern Day Sniper are always thinking outside the box and then pulling it back into a way to actually teach classes to a variety of types of shooters in ways that try to push the bar forward. And I think that with a background in teaching... I know the struggles that you can run into when you're trying to appeal to groups like that, and I think they do a really cool job. One of their videos discussed putting the tripod or clipping into the tripod, the balance point or forward of the balance point, and it's really interesting, and a bunch of people started to go out and test that. I've spoke with them about that and continue to always test elements like that because you need to have familiarity with the terrain and the outcomes of the shooting in addition to the techniques that you apply so it's actually a really high level question that anybody can start to apply up front one shooter whom I, I love and respect is Dave Gariani up in Canada he shoots for MDT and he shoots for vortex he was a former athlete like myself and He never hesitates to challenge the things that I say, call me up, and we discuss things, and we agree, and we disagree a lot, and he's been putting some of that stuff to the test, and I think that there's a good reason a lot of people look up to him because he thinks for himself, tests things out, and I love it when he makes a post because his posts always identify issues that are there to improve other shooters, and he's leading by example. He's going out shooting paper, he shoots at distance, he records everything. He has a meticulous logbook of wind calls over years and distances. It's pretty it's pretty spectacular. When you ask him a question, he won't just agree with you. Uh he'll tell you if he disagrees with you, not in a confrontational, argumentative way, but something to spur the conversation. I really, I really, uh, really appreciate his style. So first I wanted to start with with those props and have you guys go check those guys out. That's why they're leaders in the shooting world. And we need more people doing stuff like that, I think, because that pushes the bar forward. Okay, before we get into the topic of today, which is kind of a twist on some of that, I do want to remind you that this podcast happens because we're trying to grow the whole community, right? We're, I'm not here to tell you about my great successes and my great stuff. I want you to tell me about your great successes that were potentially helped along by the Straight Dope podcast and some of the stuff that we raise and ask you to do. The foundation of the pyramid that we're going to discuss is knowing your fundamentals. They might not be classic fundamentals and they might be kind of unique in the way that you think about them, but knowing your fundamental capabilities comes down to shooting positionally and recording your shooter number, your craft number, on paper, and the best way to do that, I think, is to go to riflecraft.com and subscribe for the cost of a few drinks you can record, I mean, you could do it for free, so that, I want to leave that out there, it's absolutely free, and you don't have to support anything financially that you don't want to, but... that you want to stick around it helps if you join and help fund it for the cost of a couple drinks a month you get other features and you can record your progress over time and share that it's actually doing something for you by proving that you have the capabilities of going after the goals that you want to go after I do think that you need to be able to provide justification that you have the baseline capabilities of pursuing the goals that you want to Because there are a lot of negatives for trying to do something that you don't have the capabilities of going for. You don't often see big wave surfers who can't swim. So let's get back on track here. If you want to support the project, go to RifleCraft.com and subscribe. Get a shirt. We're going to be adding shirts and some other stuff to the site soon. But that's a good way to help tip the hat towards this project and see if it's something that you like. We've got thousands of listeners now. We've got um, an exponentially growing audience. And so I know people are listening. What would validate some of this is if you started to show how it was helping you in terms of your performance towards the goals that you're going after, the ideas, getting you excited about shooting paper and then applying it at distance towards those goals, and also subscribing because I can see who wants to vote with their wallets. Let's talk about the pyramid. I mentioned the pyramid being the base level fundamental that you need to understand. And if you don't understand that, going back to episodes, uh, single digit episodes here where you get your shooter number and we talk about hit probability and maintaining that 100% probability using the techniques that you want to, uh, to, to build up from that. Good episode, good content. I don't want to repeat it too much. The next one is knowing your equipment's capabilities. And I think this falls into what people are talking about, right? It's not a, They're not necessarily super high-end performance topics. They're still kind of the foundation, which is why, to a certain extent, I argue that shooting isn't quite competitive yet. Um, we don't see the specialization and the real niche effort and genetic selection of shooters towards being able to perform at the highest level, we see anybody able to do anything if they put in some work, and that involves your fundamental capabilities, your equipment's capabilities, what they do and don't do in certain scenarios. So I'm going to propose a little test that you do just to show that we have input on the rifle that you may or may not be thinking of. I I want you to build and break or build a position and I want you to have two targets about thirty degrees apart and the way I would do this is build my tripod setup up in whatever the position is and put my bag on the tripod and then I'm going to get in position, do whatever techniques that I'm going to do to shoot at that particular target. build and break that and then pan into the other target, and then before you shoot just pause and disconnect from the rifle and see if the reticle moves. My guess is a lot of people are inducing torque that have point of impact shifts when they change position. And rather than tell you there's you know, one technique to, to accomplish this goal, which I don't think is true for almost anything in shooting, I want you to start thinking about that. The influence that you have that you might not be considering that could throw off your point of impact the Just F and Send It podcast just talked about the rifle craft drill and a and talk I did with Kalen. And he made a really good point that has been made before, but needs to continue to be made that shooters will shoot and they'll miss off of a side and they might make a correction and miss off the other side. And the answer is we have no idea why. But blaming it on something is kind of um just for lack of a better word uh just it just as ignorant because we don't know why we missed we need to be able to isolate the elements of our shooting so that when something happens those variables aren't mixed which is extremely hard to do but if you shoot at a three moa target but you could shoot one moa i'm pretty sure that when you miss it's going to be from wind because you've got budget on the left and right um You've got quite a bit of budget on the left and right if you're shooting at a 3-MOA target as a 1-MOA shooter. But if you're shooting at a 1-MOA target as a 3-MOA shooter, you really can't tell why you may or may not have missed off the left or the right. And so making a definite conclusion is not something that's worthwhile. What we need to do is isolate the effects that we have, minimize those, so that when we do tests, we're able to say, you know, it was X, Y, or Z the influence that we have on a rifle because of our equipment can be fairly significant. And I've seen effects like this because I've tested it. I want you guys to validate that for yourself. So again, I want you to build a position at a target and then induce torque into the system by panning to the right or panning to the left. And depending on how you do that, when you let go of the rifle or uh, the recoil impulse, will interact with the stuff that it's connected to. And whether it's torque in a ball head or a tripod leg that you may have induced, whether it is mechanical or material effects that are happening, because the bags that have different types of stickiness and fill could have torque laid back into it. The chassis themselves can flex and torque. And um, your natural point of aim if that's something that that, that is a part of your kind of sh- shooting knowledge uh if or if you think that matters uh could be thrown off because you've torqued, you know, 30 degrees left or right and I think you can validate the effects of that w- with dry fire at home by picking a very small target and getting on it and then panning left or right doing whatever you do and then instead of shooting, just disconnect while you're looking through the rifle and see if that reticle's moving. And my guess is for a lot of people, it will move. And you need to think about how that would play out in the real world if you were panning and moving. Because in most real world scenarios, you don't just plop your rifle down, aimed at the target... And never have to do any sort of adjustment in the real world, you're going to have to make adjustments, whether the animal's moving, the person's moving the the stage has five, six targets uh, all all sorts of reasons right you, and, and you may be glassing through your optics because you need to reacquire something or identify something else there, you know there's a million reasons we could make up for why you would move your rifle, but once you've built that position need to understand that moving the rifle on that position will have an effect on the point of impact of that rifle unless you do stuff. So I want you to experiment and provide me feedback with the things that you do to minimize the effect of panning before you take a shot, i.e. what steps do you add to your process in order to minimize those shifting effects that you see and describe the equipment that you use are you using a ball head a bag tripod skypod you know all that stuff will play into it your chassis type you know I noticed that without giving away what I do um, the friction of the thing that I'm shooting from uh, either the bag or the chassis if I use those super sticky game changers I get massive like rubber band type effects if If I I shoot, I have a lot of XLRs. Um, If I shoot with those, I get kind of a medium shift. But if I put something like a foundation stock, which is like a, I mean, that thing is like super lubed, uh, very slick. It just slides right over the bag uh, with minimal uh, input in terms of the material catching. I guess that's what I'm trying to say is the material catching and, and hanging on and creating these torques. Um, But there are other effects that play into this too because it's the shooter rifle connection, the shooter rest connection, and the torque through all the materials that you're using that could play into that. But I want you to think about those and all it takes is looking at a target, torquing, looking at that target, and then measuring the shift that you might have when you let off of it because during that fire, that stuff's going to let go. And that letting go of that connection because of the right recoil impulse is likely going to cause equal and opposite reaction in all the directions that there's influence. Do that experiment and get back to me and tell me whether you noticed an impact and how what you did to mitigate it and then tell me if you were able to go out and prove that on paper at 100 because that would be the next step. But at first you just dry fire it and If you have no way to measure it, put up a craft target and measure it with your reticle, how much movement you had from a point of aim, or put a dot on the wall, do that. If you have a DFAT system, um, Troy Tyson makes a really cool device that attaches to your rifle scope, and you can focus in around 12 feet, 12 to 15 feet, and you can look at targets. And I've been working with him to develop one for the hunter, series style targets with terrain and animals hidden in it and I think that's available on his website I don't know what it is right off the top of my head but get on Facebook and look up Troy Tyson he's famous he shoots a 308 like crazy and a good shooter they live up in the Arctic and um, tend to be able to to talk to but but I would I would look into getting a DFAT so you could dry fire at home and look into his hunter targets because they're pretty legit and I have been helping him out in designing ones that would be applicable for dry fire in the NRL Hunter series. And I've been messing around with him for a couple weeks and I can say that the last one that I went to I did find all the targets uh, which is the first hunter match that I've gone to and actually found 100% of the targets. I didn't hit them all um, and I didn't get all my shots off. But... I did find them all, and part of that I have to attribute to developing that target system and practicing finding targets in my rifle scope. But I was panning a lot and looking around, and I think that that would layer into a cool dry fire system because I I really do believe that it's too expensive to go to the range and shoot, and while some of the very best shooters are shooting tens of thousands of rounds in training, you, you can get away with... With almost as equal gains if you complement it with dry fire, lastly, I want to add a note of caution to training and expecting results fast or slow and and kind of relate it to some other things that um also involve like training like physical physical stuff. There are, there are a couple ways to improve at skills, and one of them is neurological. And neurologically, you can improve very quickly at a lot of skills. So when you learn something new, you might suck at it, but very quickly, within a day or two, uh, you can adapt and gain a little bit of familiarity, and your ability goes up. You can do that in sport. You can do that. Um, a good example, I think, is with video games. You you start being clumsy, and you really learn the hand-eye coordination to do the video game stuff, juggling Uh, And even a lot of exercise. If if you exercise or are playing a sport, you're not building muscle in those couple days. You're gaining some nervous system familiarity. And so those kind of gains tend to come fast. But other gains come slow because they require time on task. And when you're learning something new like that, you'll often see a drop in performance. Just like when somebody wants to lose weight and they go and they start an exercise routine to lose weight, sometimes if they're measuring success on a scale, they'll gain weight because their body's adapting and changing, and over the course of a couple weeks, they might put on muscle but not lose the fat. Um, and, And so even though they might be headed at a weight loss end result, at first, the results don't necessarily line up with the goal that you have intended. So keep in mind that when you're doing something and you're not familiar with it, don't be too judgmental. Some of it is that your nervous system doesn't understand what to do. And two, you need to develop new techniques, which is why some of the material that I've been testing, I'm I'm not quick to publicly acknowledge my dislike because my dislike for some of that is that I'm clumsy with it and don't quite know how to properly manage and, and effectively apply it. And so it's not fair to say, oh, this sucks because I went out and I had a bad day using it and the reason behind it is that I don't I don't know. The it 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 was unfamiliar to me. And so just keep that in mind. I think that, that that's really important. And then and then Gosh, I have a lot of lastly on this episode. There's a sports trainer, and he writes a lot of books about stuff, but, but I always talk about him, and, and he's influential in the climbing world, even though he's not a, a climber, really. His name's Dan John, and, and, and he has a quote, and it might not even be the quote anymore, but I'm going to just say that it's his quote, and it's keep the goal the goal. If you have a goal, you got to keep the goal the goal. And he has a lot of great examples about that. But but he, he he trains a lot of track athletes, and there's a lot of track athletes in my in my family. So I, I can relate to that. If if you're a sprinter or a hurdler, and you're not training for the goal of sprinting and hurdling, someone's going to outperform you. And sometimes people go to the weight room, and they think, okay, well, I need to sprint and hurdle better. So you know, I'm going to go do this exercise. And then you see them doing bench press and curls, and they're putting a lot of time and energy at, into muscles that aren't necessarily going to keep them on their particular goal. And, and so if you're doing things, you know, if you, if you want to be an NRL 22 champion, but, but you spend a lot of time shooting your 308 at distance, you're not really keeping the goal, the goal, you need to break down and outline the elements that are going to help you Specifically towards that goal And then set benchmarks for them And once you achieve the standards The benchmarks that you need for that particular goal You have to sustain them But you don't need to continue To develop them beyond that And so in a lot of athletics, there are weight room goals or or speed goals or strength or weight or, or whatever those standards are. But beyond them, your performance isn't gonna necessarily get better. So if you have, let's say, a benchmark of you know you must be able to do ten reps of bench press at two hundred pounds. If you can do ten reps of bench press at three hundred pounds, you're not going to be any better at your particular outlet, right? You need to just be able to do that two hundred, and then move on to the other skill sets and. Every unique discipline that we participate has different benchmarks that you want to have the minimums taken care of, but there's a lot of other skills that go in. And so if you get distracted by the skills because they're sexy, you think you want to have big biceps and a big chest, you're, you're probably not going to be a great marathon runner. And you're investing time and energy towards a goal that's not the goal, right? You want to look good at the beach, that's a different goal. If you want to be good at running, Let's not get our bench press to 600 pounds. Um, There's time and energy that needs to be applied towards other things. And there's nothing wrong with being distracted from your goal, but it will keep you from attaining it. And it's very easy in the shooting world to forget what our goals might be, but we have to also honestly and effectively describe what those goals are so that we can keep the goal the goal. And if for some reason you change that goal... And 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 I'm I'm doing that too, right? I'm kind of repurposing my Assassin's Way goal because it's gone towards the Grand Slam goal, and I want to be invited to that. And that has pistol, carbine, sporting clays, archery, field rifle, and so I'm trying to maintain those base capabilities in all those disciplines so that I could be invited to that competition and perform well in the event that I do get invited. Those goals have different benchmarks that I'm trying to raise my bar on, but if your particular goal is, um, you know, wh- wh- one goal that a lot of listeners probably have is to perform at a competition like a PRS, and, and I'm not as spun into the PRS world, but my understanding, listening to John Pinch and Matt Alwyn talking about it, is they're shooting really small targets. If you go to the East Coast, To the variety, I know that there's a heck of a lot more on the East Coast that are happening every weekend, and a lot of those have very small targets, and so you need to be able to take good, clean, fundamental shots and understand a lot of positional elements, but worrying about your caliber all day isn't going to help you towards being able to under stress, be able to shoot very small targets. Um, the way that they want to, and I, I can't really help you beyond that, but but what I'm saying is there are some things that you can do and some things that will distract you from achieving your actual goal. even though you may be dreaming about it all day, you're also dreaming about other things, like what Cerakote job to get and if you should get a six five creed more and uh, you know something or other, or what scope? and it's like, well, okay, we can we can spend a lot of money on stuff. But none of those things are going to help you towards a goal unless you define the goal and then build the pyramid down from that particular goal and kind of push away all the other things that are important. Anyway, I got a little bit distracted, but I think that that's really important that whatever your goal is, if it's a hunt, you know, we need to be thinking about your pack. We need to be thinking about your physical capabilities, your equipment, your shoes, the terrain you'll be in how many days you're going to be out and your ability to be resilient enough to be able to perform at a constant level every day for a number of days. That's a heck of a lot different than going to an F-class competition where you're going to be laying on your belly all day. And and both are very hard, but both have different training goals that you're going to need to apply towards. And if you're going to be going to an F-class competition, simultaneously training for an Ironman might distract from that goal and so go out and do the torque test do the positional target transition test to see if you have any reticle movement and and then validate it on paper and share those results with me I'm going to continue now to focus back on things that you can do towards your training to achieve the goals and and get the self-understanding that you need to be able to scale up that pyramid but for now we're focusing on that base of the pyramid the The fundamentals and the equipment knowledge by dry firing it and then live firing it on paper so that you can see the effects yourself of when I do this, this happens. So that you can understand how how it affects your shooter number and how it will affect your approach towards a shooting position or building and breaking in a particular scenario. If you like this, again, go to RifleCraft and subscribe. If all you want to do is give props, post about it, share it with your friends, and let the world know that that you think it's pretty awesome. And if you're not into it, uh, thanks for listening. I know a lot of you that um, are listening, and that number continues to grow, so I think more people like it than not. See you soon.